Today, more leftist hysteria over January 6th footage. An FBI whistleblower confirms the FBI was targeting pro-lifers and a new trend on TikTok making our kids lazier as if they needed the help. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and Democrats and establishment Republicans are still big mad about Tucker Carlson exposing them for what they are. Lying, manipulative opportunists who stand for nothing but perpetuating their own power by hook or by crook, the Constitution be damned. In fact, Senate Minority Leader Rhino Mitch McConnell chastised Tucker, who he says depicted what happened on January 6th inaccurately. It was a mistake in my view for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at Capitol thinks. Oh, okay. So don't believe your lion eyes. Trust the slimy politicians instead. Strange to insinuate that showing more footage than we've ever gotten to see is depicting any sort of narrative rather than just allowing people to see for themselves. Oh, but that might threaten the system. Did Mitch McConnell have the same complaint when traitors Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney worked with all the Democrats on the January 6th committee to cherry pick and deceptively edited the footage in order to suit their agenda? I don't recall hearing him complain at that time. Last night, we played a clip of Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer calling on Fox News to censor Tucker. Remember, I told you, Constitution be damned. Well, Chuck also tweeted out yesterday, I was invited on Tucker Carlson's show. I will agree to go on after Tucker Carlson admits to his viewers live on air that he has been lying to them about the 2020 elections and what happened on January 6th. Huh. Seems strange, doesn't it? You get invited to the same show that originally aired the footage in question, the largest audience in cable news, and you decline to make your case if you'd like to call Tucker out. The time is now. You can go there with all this evidence that he's been lying. Chuck chooses not to. Doesn't seem like something a truth teller would do. You know, for all the incessant whining the left does about everything they don't like being threats to democracy, you said something I don't like. You're a threat to democracy. I'm kind of hard pressed to think of a greater threat to democracy than a group of powerful elites running the country, censoring journalists who threaten their power by exposing their lies and corruption. But hey, maybe that's just me. Here to discuss this and more are uh, Jason Buttrell, chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program and Blaze TV contributor John Doyle, also host of Heck Off Commie. Um, by the way, I would like to point out, I, I realize, you know, there are going to be people out there who are like, we're not a democracy. I got it. I know. But I'm just using their own terms, right? Because that's all that we hear from the left lately. Anytime something happens that they don't like, it's a threat to democracy. Climate change is a threat to democracy. Free press is a threat to democracy. Interesting how that wasn't the case uh, back when Donald Trump was president and happened to chastise one of the media members. And all of a sudden, uh, the freedom of the press was under assault. Now we're talking about censoring the press because they may show something that, uh, I don't know, exposes us for, for the liars that we are. Yeah, it's, there's, a tr- there's a troubling trend here, especially with uh, Obama going after journalists. I mean, literally sicking, you know, surveillance crews on jur- journalists like James Rosen from Fox News. Um, you, now you've got, you know, members of the Biden administration are taking pictures of journalists mm-hmm. when they ask them questions out on the street. Um, they're clearly the hostiles in this uh, situation here. Calling them fake news is not the equivalent of an assault on the press. It's absolutely ridiculous. 
Um, yeah, what I saw on Tucker Carlson's show, especially the first night, was not at all what all these people that are freaking out are talking about. He actually made the distinction. He said there were some mm -hmm. people, I think he actually called them thugs, mm -hmm. that were breaking windows and stuff like that. He made the distinction between there's that story, but that's the only story that you heard from the January 6th committee and anybody else wanting to take advantage. But then there was a whole other side of the story that did not get told, and that's the footage that he showed. Mm -hmm. And they were clearly lying about it. They were lying not only in, like, you know, selectively showing footage like, you know, Senator Hawley. I mean, that was right. the most egregious, you know, right. bit of editing I've seen. That right. was nuts. And they were uh, lying by just not telling you that side of the story. But, yeah, there was a ton of people that were just walking in, mm -hmm. a lot of them grandmas and grandpas, a lot of them being escorted around, and that's not the story that we heard because it just wasn't convenient. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you like, literally this was giving people full context, mm -hmm. right? Because we saw all of the lies, all of the deceptively edited videos that I mentioned before that were shown in the J6 committee by these people who, the Josh Hawley one that you bring up is a great example because they had to have gone through that entire clip yeah. to know, to clip it, and show it as if he was, oh, he was the only coward running away and laughing about it, which, by the way, if this was such an assault on our democracy, I don't know why they're laughing about it and making fun of him. But if you're going to, right, they clearly went through the footage and did this on purpose. And now, just like always, the left does, well, I would put Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger in the same basket, they just project what they're doing onto us. So now we're the ones who are depicting a false narrative, um, even though we now we see the full context, and um, they're just liars. Yeah, they're liars, and they've got their you know controlled opposition on our side, uh, the people like Liz Cheney, these rhinos. But you know, if we're not even going to on our side acknowledge that it's International Women's Day, uh, how can we really expect people to take us seriously? How can we be better than them if we're not even going to acknowledge that? So, congratulations on uh, women. I didn't and ask for it. I don't. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't so, need it. One of the greatest things about the Trump era, you know, including January 6th, I guess, is it really revealed the degree to which the rot is in our own system. And you have things like this where the Republicans for the last 30 or 40 years have spent so much money fundraising on things like government overreach and tyranny and mm -hmm. revolution. We're going to fight off the bad guys. This obviously, I think, was obviously you know not uh, a revolution. It wasn't a coup, anything like that. But it probably was the closest thing we've seen in terms of like people literally going into the Capitol and saying that we're mad at the government. And the Republican leadership has completely turned their backs on these people and said, no, these people are actually criminals, and well, you're not supposed to do that. And also, they've spent that same amount of time fundraising off this idea of like government overreach, political prisoners, read the Gulag Archipelago. Well, we have political prisoners now. We have them in D.C. They're rotting in prison, a lot of them in solitary confinement. And there's been little, if any, acknowledgement from uh, Republican leadership about that until now where Tucker Carlson, thanks to a uh, th solid strategy from people within the GOP, has given him that footage and he's brought it to the attention of the masses. So now they have to confront it. But now even you see like Mitch McConnell, who's refusing to do that. He's still downplaying and accusing Tucker Carlson of being biased somehow, like you mentioned, showing us more footage than we've gotten to see before. So if people haven't realized by now that the calls are coming from within inside the mm -hmm. house, uh, they're just not going to make it. Yeah, you, you mm -hmm. mentioned political prisoners. I mean, the people that were arrested because they were part of the second wave. Like, so let's not even talk about the mm. people that were breaking stuff. Let's talk about the people that just walked walking in. They were being caught on, like, you know, facial recognition. The FBI is breaking down their doors. I mean, literally some of them were grandmas and grandpas. Um, and, I mean... 
it's just amazing. That entire thing was set in motion because of this false narrative, because they selectively edited out that second part of the story. They didn't give the full context, so then they weaponized the FBI to go out and do this stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember we had this uh, whistleblower, he's an FBI whistleblower who's not with the FBI anymore, um, Stephen Friend. I don't know if you, uh, I do. you yeah. So he was saying that, I think he was in Florida, and he said that he, when, when, he, when he was in Florida, he was working on the, on, uh, the terrorism task force, and they put him on some of these cases. And he said that the way that they categorize this was not normal. He said normally if something like this happened, the Washington field office would handle it and it would be like one case mm-hmm. with multiple people involved. But he said the, the way they did this one was they opened multiple cases in each state where every single person lived. So if there was, let's say, 2,000 people at the Capitol, then each 2,000 people that, were, that they were investigating was each its own separate case. And it blew up the actual numbers of all these insurrectionist terrorist uh, cases. And he was like, this is purely political. Like He said, this entire case, these people do not belong in prison. They do not belong to even be investigated because they just literally wandered in after everything else happened. I, I've never seen, I think in my lifetime, the government as weaponized as it is now. Yeah, I think I brought this up on the show before, but I remember back in Michigan, uh, before I moved down here, after in the aftermath of this, there were billboards on the highways saying, if you know anybody who was involved in yeah. the insurrection, call the FBI hotline here. Mm-hmm. In Michigan, like a eight-hour drive from D.C. And so they had this syndication everywhere encouraging people to rat on their neighbors, you know, people who have maybe made off-color comments on Facebook.com or things like that because they're willing to go after the enemies uh, of the state. And you look at places like El Salvador, you know, we talked about this last week. They've, like, solved crime. I mean, not entirely, but, like, catching Yeah, they ba- have not solved crime. Catching, I would like to fact-check that. Catching, <laughs> catching bad guys is like, you know, okay, we've got a civilization. Okay, now we've got to catch the bad guys. That's, like, Civilization 101 stuff. We should be focusing on solving traffic and conquesting the stars. But instead, we have our, like, mechanisms going after American patriots for simply demonstrating mild in comparison behavior to what their coalition has done in state capitals throughout the country, uh, the George Floyd riots, all sorts of things like that, where they could have mobilized that apparatus to catch the bad guys, but they didn't want to because they know that when good people are living in fear, they're less trusting of each other, and the only time anything good happens is when good people can trust each other and band together. So I want to I wanna play, um, play for you Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy because you mentioned the calls are coming from inside the House, and I couldn't agree with you more, but I, I just, I'm... I guess I would say um, I'll be interested to see if he keeps up this same uh, vibe, I would say, as time goes on, because I just, you know, congratulations. He seems to have finally found his balls. Let's listen to him uh, pushing back when being asked if he, you know, is sorry or feels like he made a mistake in releasing all of these uh, videos. Watch. Because of the footage that you gave Tucker Carlson last night, he went on, so this was a mostly peaceful chaos, as he Did said, and downplayed Brian Sicknick's death, said it was Did not related to January 6th, so this was not, was not an insurrection. Do you regret not. giving him this footage so he could whitewash the events of that day? No. Um, I, I said at the very beginning, transparency. And so what I wanted to produce for everybody is exactly what I said, that people could actually look at it and see what's gone on that day. So. But why for, but why for Mr. Speaker? come up with their own conclusion, but I, what I just want to make sure is I had transparency. You because I know in CNN, I mean, I had here where you guys actually broke where we were. This was a secret location, Fort McLaren. I don't know if you got concerned by that. I don't even know from a point of view of security if we could ever be taken there again. But when you broke that at CNN, that was a real concern to a lot of people. 
Again, congratulations for uh, for pushing back. You have to imagine that this might not be happening if it weren't for the 20 people who held his feet to the fire when he was lobbying to become Speaker of the House. This is a Kevin McCarthy that I am not quite familiar with seeing. Um, <laughs> I hope that it continues. But um, I, I, look, I'm not I'm not. Uh, I'm not naive enough to think that he actually cares about transparency if it was something that was not good for him politically. But if we're getting transparency, okay, I'll go. My, my biggest, I guess, uh, complaint or cr criticism with the way that McCarthy has handled this is he didn't give it to a lot more And outlets. I have said that every single time. It's Th like This criticism, he opened himself up for right. it. Right. So if yeah, from the from the very beginning, it's like, OK, you know what they're going to say is, well, that's just Fox News deceptively editing it to see yeah. what, you know, yep. to show you whatever you want to see. Like we knew that that was coming. So I, I still don't understand why they did that. I, I think that we have actually well, I know that we have we've we've reached out to them to give us access to the same thing. But the way that you can do it is like you can only go there. You have to sit there. Right. You can't like transfer anything. And I still don't think that we've been given any kind of final yes or no. OK, you can come. So I think it's still just Tucker Carlson and his crew. Well, if they do, will you be the one going to D.C.? And <laughs> Who else are they going to have sitting 40,000 hours you're of the one, crap? Yeah, you're the one when there's like a 1,400-page <laughs> bill. They're like, Jason, yeah. here you go. I read got, through this. I got my go bag ready. I'll go, but you won't see me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, I mean, that's what I was hoping, honestly. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Mom. My mom gets all, always gets really mad when I give you a hard time on the show. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, she, she's a big Jason fan. <laughs> Doesn't she not like me? No, she, she likes you now. Okay, well, hey, take <laughs> it easy on, on her. Um, I hope that he keeps this up going into 2024. I think he kind of senses where things are going mm -hmm. and he wants to be employed in 2024. And I really hope that we don't have a scenario like we did in the first Trump administration where you have, like, you know, Paul Ryan in there and he's just completely acting as an impediment to the Trump Paul agenda. Who? Paul Ryan? Paul who? Paul I don't get it. I vaguely... No, I don't think I know him. Well, the gentleman who's actually on the cover of a book with Kevin McCarthy, and that's the problem. Uh, the problematic mm -hmm. part is because I think the title of the book is something like "A New Generation of Conservative Leaders," and it's like, what do you mean a new? You guys are like fifty. <laughs> I mean, no offense, but like, you know, where are the younger people? We're not, we're we're 50. not fifty. Well, I'm not. But I'm, where's our right wing AOC? That's what I'm asking. Where is our right wing AOC? If we know? can get one that's just actually has brains, that would be great. I think it's going to be Alex Stein. Oh gosh, no, we're all in trouble now. If that's the case, I hope not. <laughs> really hope not. Um, by the way, I, I would assume that this will look familiar to uh, last night's program, which means we're talking about January 6th and we're showing actual footage. We're discussing actual facts. And YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, has a little uh, context box that just takes you to a Wikipedia page where you definitely will find all the facts that you need to find on Wikipedia about January 6th. So, Seriously, uh, Wikipedia? Oh, yes. That's what they have on there. That's what they put on my show last night. So for, just for context for you guys watching. Oh, yeah. I see you. Screw you, YouTube. Uh, but those of you who are watching on YouTube, make sure to, you know, gen gently tap the like button and uh, comment and make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss a thing. We've got to uh, take a quick break. First, I want to thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. So Cozy Earth, um, we use at my house. I could not rave about them more because, first of all, their sheets um, are literally the softest sheets we've ever had. We have spent a ton of money on sheets thinking that, well, like it costs a ton of money, so it must be the best. It really wasn't, and it was scratchy, and you know, you slept too hot or too cold, but these are temperature regulating, so you're not gonna get too hot, you're not gonna get too cold, and they really are super soft. I have no idea how they do it. 
I don't really care, quite honestly. All I know is that I will never go to any other sheets again. You guys really, really have to try it. You can go to uh, CozyEarth.com slash Y and use promo code Y for 35% off. That is CozyEarth.com. Enter my promo code Y, 35% off. You will not regret it. CozyEarth.com, promo code Y. I want to welcome to the program Joseph McBride of the McBride Law Firm. He has been uh, one of the attorneys who has been on all of this, you know, January 6th stuff from the beginning, has uh, has worked for many of the January 6th defendants and uh, someone who I am proud to call uh, a friend. And uh, Joe, thank you for, for being on with us. I know I, I contacted you yesterday and I was like, I bet you're not going to have time for me today because I would imagine that uh, yesterday was a reasonably busy day for you. Yes, it's, uh, it's good to be here, Sarah. It's good to see you guys. Uh, it's been uh, it's been extremely busy over the past few days, uh, but for good reason. You know, we're very happy to be talking about the release of the of this footage, how it's going to help uh, my clients and some of the other clients, and of course you know, satiate the general public's curiosity as to what happened on January 6th. Yeah, so so you mentioned your clients, and I know there's only so much that you can share with us, but has the, just just the parts that we've seen, right, all of the, 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 the footage that Tucker released, has the releasing of that footage, has that directly affected any of your cases? Uh, it's going to. I don't want to tip my hand on it too much because... Uh, it will remove our ability to operate with like stealth-like precision, and uh, you know it's very hard to keep anything from the government these days. But if you just consider the fact that Tucker used uh, Jacob Chansley's case, Jacob Chansley already had pled guilty. Mm. Uh, I don't think he saw that information that we all saw uh, because it certainly wasn't available to him at that time. Had he seen it, he probably would have had a different opinion about whether or not he should be pleading out. And certainly the sentencing judge would have had more to consider in turning his, uh, you know, when considering his culpability. Was it nefarious or was he uh, getting a guided tour by the Capitol Police? I would submit, and I think the most reasonable-minded people see him walking around with a guided tour. And uh, you can't uh, charge somebody uh, with a trespass or entering and remaining in government property illegally if you have permission from the government. Mm. So, so then what, what happens then? Like if you, let, me, let me pose it to you this way. If you were his attorney, what would be, what would be your next move for his case? I would file an, an appeal based on newly uh, available evidence, evidence that was intentionally withhold from the defense by the federal government, evidence that is exculpatory, it's Brady evidence. This evidence, if admitted at trial or if admitted in his case uh, at the plea or before the plea, would have changed the outcome substantially of his jail sentence. His jail sentence, maybe instead of getting four years, he would have got four days. Mm. So uh, any fair-minded attorney is going to say, hey, we have grounds, fertile grounds for an appeal here. We can appeal the sentencing. We can appeal the plea. Um, and we can certainly go after the government. The, the Department of Justice is going to say, hey, we're the executive branch, we're not Congress. Congress is going to say, hey, we're, we're not the Department of Justice. 
but they're members of the same body, that body being the federal government. And the hand cannot say to the foot, surely I do not need you. Uh, these people are coordinated. These branches work together all the time. And it is simply inexcusable for this kind of thing to be happening in this day and age. Joe, if, uh, we've heard accounts of at least two other FBI whistleblowers that said that they were politicizing this case and opening up unneeded investigations, like making it to try to make it look like it was larger than it was. I think shock and awe was used by somebody, somebody in the justice, uh, justice system. If they're knowingly withholding Brady information, can't you go on the offense after some of after let's say these cases get resolved in your favor? Can you then launch lawsuits? Yes, it's, it's very hard. It's a great question. And the, the difficulty behind it is the age-old problem of qualified immunity. Uh, a prosecutor mm -hmm. can get up there. It can, he can withhold evidence or she can withhold evidence from you. You can do 40 years in jail. Wow. And sure, you can sue the federal government and you can sue for your civil rights to be violated and you can recover financially. But will these people, are these people held accountable? They're never held accountable. And that needs to change. And the only way that that changes is through legislation. People have to, uh, like yourself, has to have to speak out about this. Uh, congressmen and women need pressure put on them from the public, and they need to go and pass legislation that removes qualified immunity in these situations. Prosecutors who knowingly withhold information in circumstances like these should be held criminally accountable, not just financially accountable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I want to ask you about um, last time we talked, I think you said that there were still people being held in pretrial detention, um, you know, in regards to January 6th. Is that still the case? And if so, how many? Uh, that is still the case. I'm not exactly sure what the number is, but the number's probably between somewhere between 50 or 60 and 100. Uh, that number goes up and down. Look, a thousand arrests have already happened. They have announced they're going to do a thousand more arrests. With those arrests will come more pretrial detentions. I know people this week have been calling me saying, hey, the FBI is at my door. What am I supposed to do? Um, you have uh, somebody like Christopher Quaglin, who is uh, represented, Jonathan Gross, uh, your, your colleague and friend, mm -hmm. um, is uh, the first chair on now on that case. He is representing Mr. Quaglin. Mr. Quaglin has been held under egregious conditions for about two years now. He should have been let out. He was not let out. He was put into uh, the same prisons that Ryan Nichols was in. I was able to get Ryan Nichols out for uh, objectively uh, less egregious regions, reasons, and Mr. Quaglin is still in. This baffles uh, the mind, and you have to look at the judge in that case and wonder and say, hey, what is really going on here? And I do believe after January 6th body of litigation has passed and the smoke of battle has cleared and things have settled down, that there will be impeachment articles against judges um, who have uh, not fulfilled their constitutional duties to uphold the, the law in a neutral and detached way. Well, I, I hope that that happens. Um, what about the, uh, the, the prison conditions? I, I, I want to get your take on those because um, the, what I've been reading are just, I mean, human rights abuses. And you have the, the left who is doing all of this 
enforcement, and they are supposed to be the party of, you know, criminal reform, and we don't want these people to be in horrible conditions, and they care, and uh, some of what I've been reading is just horrendous human rights abuses. Can you just tell, tell the viewers out there, what are, what are some of the most egregious conditions um, that, that you have seen that you know to be true in these prisons for these political prisoners? You're, you are subject uh, to a rat and mice feces on a regular basis. You have roaches in your food. Oh. You have bugs and sometimes rats biting at you when you're sleeping at night. You're often held in rooms with no ventilation that have black mold. There's brown water. There's no regular access to toiletries or to personal hygiene products. In the case of Ryan Taylor Nichols, a decorated military veteran with PTSD, he had PTSD well before January 6th. And he was held in solitary confinement to the point where his mind almost broke. They put him on suicide watch. They strapped him to a table for days and they encouraged him to kill himself. And they said, do you still, are you still suicidal? Are you okay? Are, you are? Okay. We'll keep you in this cold room with the plastic Tyvek suit with the music playing and the lights looking at you. I would make fun of you until you say you're not suicidal anymore. If you're not suicidal, we'll stick you back in. If you are suicidal, please just kill yourself and get it over with so we can go to dinner tonight. That is what is going on. That is one example of a multitude of examples. It's egregious, it's un-American, it is disgusting, but what they have done is they have weaponized the term insurrectionist and the term domestic terrorist. It is analogous to using the N-word against black people. And what I mean by that, what is the purpose of the N-word? The purpose of the N-word is to subconstitutionalize and subhumanize a human being so you don't have to treat them like a human. You can treat them like chattels. Now, when you look at January Sixers, they are being called domestic terrorists, insurrectionists. You're less than human. You're not American. Therefore, the Constitution doesn't apply to you. Lock them up, throw away the key, torture them, beat them up. No one cares because you're no longer one of us. Yeah. Um, well, look, we appreciate all of the work that you are doing and have been doing for all these years now for these January 6th defendants. Um, tell everyone, I think you have a, a give, send, go set up for these people. Obviously, they, they, they can't pay these legal bills. Um, so tell everyone where they can go to help with that. You can go to uh, McBrideLawNYC.com, click on the January 6th tab. There you'll see a global give, send, go. That's the one we're recommending people to go to at this time. I represent some people who are listed on my site. I represent a bunch who are not on my site because not everybody wants to be publicized. But if you donate to that give, send, go, the money will go where it's needed most straight away. Thank you very, very much, Sarah. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Joe. And uh, we'll keep in touch. God bless. See ya. Um, all right, so we've got, a, we've got a lot more to unpack, but we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A whistleblower has testified before some members of Congress that the FBI specifically targeted pro-lifers and crisis pregnancy centers after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last summer. This is FBI Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle uh, in the Kansas City field office, and uh, he testified in the House Select this is a long one. House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, which is, of course, chaired by Jim Jordan of Ohio. And he alleged that uh, the agency, you know, they initially created the tag Threats to SCOTUS 2022 to investigate threats to Supreme Court justices. 
after everything that happened in the fallout of Dobbs, but uh, that tag eventually devolved into a means of targeting pro-lifers. Um, and uh, he said when this threat came out, it was like, why are you focusing on pro-life people? It's pro-choice people who are the ones protesting or otherwise threatening violence in front of Supreme Court justices' houses. And he responded when asked if he thought that the FBI had politicized threat tags. He said unequivocally, I do. He also claimed that he was pressured to ask a source who happened to be pro-life about the various threats against SCOTUS. And uh, he wondered why this person knew about those threats. He's pro-life. He said he's not going he's not the one going and threatening Supreme Court justices. Of course, the FBI uh, says that they they deny the allegations. But you have to wonder in this day and age what like what would it benefit? What would it serve this FBI special agent? O'Boyle? what would it serve him to go and lie and say that that were not the case and lose all his credibility in the agency that he works for if it were, in fact, not the case? Look, this. I have. Ne- I said this right before yeah. the last commercial. I- yeah. I've never seen the weaponization of all, of literally all of, of every single department in the federal government against half of America. Yeah, because it's mean, not just the FBI. Yeah, you got to wonder what kind of backroom discussions they're all having. Biden loves to say all of government response to a lot of these random different things. I you just I wonder what we're not being told as far as what they're saying. Okay, out in public you say this, but this is what we're really going to go after. I mean, like when they started going after uh, the, those pro-lifers that were you know the activists mm-hmm. outside the board, so clearly targeting. Mm-hmm. It, that's all it was. It was targeting. It was uh, no, it's was, it was worse than that. It was revenge. Yeah, it, it was really revenge was. because Roe v. Wade went down. That's mm-hmm. what it was. I want to say this very carefully, but they are creating radicals. They're like, and, and whatever agenda they're going after, they are actually creating radicals that they are probably going to have to deal with. I hope not, but this happens all throughout history. Um, what happened during Ruby Ridge? Atrocious. Mm. It started, I mean, that fueled militia groups all over the country for decades. It still is. And then it followed it up with um, right here in Waco, the Branch Davidian thing. What happened then? I mean, you would not have the Oklahoma City bomber without those two things as precursors. Mm. Um, they are creating something a lot more violent, a lot more dangerous. And I used to say I, I, they probably don't even know what they're doing, but now they probably do know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Well, I mean, look, when you have, in, in the case of Mark Hook, which I know I, I refer to a no, lot no. because it's like the most egregious one, that the example no. that you can point to, you have the local law enforcement who said, um, we're, not, we're not charging him with anything, right? The, the local DA who didn't do anything about it, nobody thought that it was big enough, and somehow the FBI and the DOJ find it necessary to get involved? In that case, the guy that went and chased him down had a history. He was had to be counseled by Planned Parenthood and say, don't go chasing these guys down, don't go confront, confront them. Mm-hmm. They knew that there was no case there. The DOJ knew it too, mm-hmm. but again, revenge. Right, because again, the DOJ did know it and it proved to be true because all of it was dropped, nothing happened to him, but he now has that threat and everyone else has sent a message, if you do yeah. this, if you are a pro-life activist, we may show up at your door and it doesn't matter if you're guilty or not, we're still gonna ruin your life. Yeah, and you can't even make the argument that they're just like being biased in who they're going after because it's it's not just that, it's that it's totally manufactured. Like you have these right. leftist people who, I mean, a couple of years ago, they like took over a part of Seattle. 
Uh, they, they had a guy shoot up like a congressional baseball game. They had people, like we mentioned, outside of Supreme Court justices' houses threatening their lives. Like, these people do this every day. And then, like, a conservative, like, says a rosary a bit too aggressively outside of a Planned Parenthood, and all of a sudden they've got the FBI knocking at their door. So There are domestic terrorists right now attacking cops in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What's being done about it? Yeah. And you make a great point, too, about how they don't understand how power works and they think they can just keep pushing people and pushing people and pushing people. And then, like, our class of people are just going to, like, take that sitting down. And you see this, you know, with, like, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing. Our leadership class actually believes that they can, like, passive-aggressively just, like, take little snipes at Putin and get him to stop. Like, they're so confused by, like, a traditional military conflict Mm -hmm. that they're like, oh, if we just keep, like, saying he's, like, Hitler, uh, then he's going to stop and he's going to realize that he should embrace democracy. And it's like, that's not how, like, serious people operate. So I hope that nothing bad happens, but uh, that's all I'll say. I just hope that nothing bad happens. That's an odd way to end it. I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest hoper of not bad things happening. Nobody hopes really? more that bad things don't happen than myself, especially to people who sacrifice the unborn. I, I pray for my enemies, Sarah. I do. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to quickly move to uh, Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis, you know, there's been the, these rumblings. I've seen it on. I, I, I was with him at an event here in Texas uh, that he spoke at, and I was trying to talk to him about my organization, my initiative um, to end the sexual abuse and exploitation of children, uh, taking them to drag shows, all of that. And because we're trying to expand into Florida, so I was talking to him about that, and all these people were like, he uh, signed on to this bill. He wants a bill that's going to make, uh, you know, all of these bloggers register with the state and he doesn't believe in the First Amendment. I'm like, I, this is the first I'm hearing about this. I really don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, he was actually asked about that today. This is a bill that has been introduced by a Republican that would require bloggers uh, who write about politics to register with the state. This is what he had to say about it. They're going to have to register for the state. And it's like attributing it to me. And I'm like, okay, that's not anything that, that, that I've ever supported. I don't support. Uh, I've been very clear about what we're doing. And so people have a right to file legislation. They have a right to, to do different types of amendments and all that other stuff. Um, but the Florida, leg- a whole 120 of them in the House and however many in the 40 in the Senate, you know, they have independent agency to be able to do things. Like I don't control every single bill that has been filed or amendment. So just as as we go through this session, uh, please, um, you know, understand that. Uh, but I do think it's going to be very, very productive. Will be um, fascinating to see how how this continues because this, these were conservatives that were slamming him, and I'm just I'm so tired of hearing the uh, the conflict between the this tr- Trump DeSantis. Like, I, as as far as I'm concerned, he's the governor of Florida right now, and I'm cheering him on and everything he's doing in Florida because he's doing a great job in Florida, and he hasn't announced anything. So I don't know why we have to have all this infighting is all, that's all I'm saying. I'm going to go to you, John. I'd like to hear from you. Well, I mean, the reason for the infighting is he seems to be maneuvering to uh, dethrone Donald Trump. From How his... is he maneuvering? Well, I mean, he's putting out the book. He's meeting with the donors. He's coming to the Texas GOP events, which I think you even attended, actually. I just and, said know... I did. Yeah, so, you they, know, he they just asked seems him to... to go. He, he just wasn't seems like, excuse to be... me. He just seems to be making moves that would suggest that that's his plan. And if not, I mean, hey, I'm right there with you. You know, make Florida free or whatever. Mm-hmm. He should just come out and say, I'm supporting Trump in 24. And then, so, uh... here, so then here's the question. So... And, and again, I, I don't. I've not like. I'm, I haven't picked anyone because I don't know who the field is going to be. If like, I love Trump. I would have crawled over broken glass to vote for him uh, in 2020. I don't love some of the things he did, and I hope that he 
sees the error of his ways <clears throat> in Operation Warp Speed and, you know, some of the... What? I, I don't know. I don't like that criticism of him because, I mean, think of... So right now, when we exist, it's really easy for us, especially as people who are following the news cycle, to be mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm so glad I'm a pureblood. I'm so glad I didn't get into this. We forget that when that was going on, the media had made it such that the average American, even the average Republican, was terrified of COVID. They were literally, even my parents were like, oh, this is, a, people were taking it seriously. And so now we're looking back, that was silly. At the time, you had the entire country, the entire media apparatus thinking that this was a huge thing. And they're like, okay, we're going to make the vaccine, but we're going to wait until Biden so that he gets the credit. Trump was like, well, I want the credit. So maybe they outflanked him, but in terms of like what he should have done politically speaking, I don't think that was a mistake. I mean, what else was he supposed to do? Well, I mean, I would like to state for the record, I actually said at the time that I thought that it was a bad idea because c creating a brand new type of, of medicine injection uh, and shortening the safety trials is never a good idea. Not like, all it's of literally us have never a gift, good idea. Not all of us have the gift of prescience that Sarah Gonzalez has, though. So you let have me, to understand so the well, well, can I, well, can I say, Yeah, please. I guess re reactionary moves based on whatever's politically, you know, beneficial for you is not good leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I, I'm not saying, I, there's a lot of things we didn't know at the time. So I think there's a lot more nuance. But uh, I think that that it. gives him an opportunity to blame it all on Fauci. Right? Yeah. Like he said, like, I, I trusted this guy. He's yeah. clearly the greatest con man of all time. And it that was, he pushed me to do this. And it was it, like, that was the deep state at work. Right? I, he could blame it on them and still acknowledge the the, the fault. Yeah. I will say that the infighting is irritating to me, too. Yeah, because, I do, I'm so because, done with I it. I mean, uh, there's this like weird, in my opinion, there's this weird, like, you have to be loyal to Trump. And you it's almost like you have to, like, say a pledge yeah. or whatever. Like, no. Like, we can acknowledge that Trump was a, was a good leader. He would make a good president again in 2024, but we can also acknowledge that, hey, it's even good for Vivek Ramaswamy to be in the race. Why? Because he's got ideas, he's saying things that we haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. So it's great to have him there. Ron DeSantis has shown us that, hey, you can not actually talk about certain things, you can make definitive moves, right. and then there is a way that you can fight back with legislation and stick it to him. That's great! I want to see all three of them on the stage together, and that's just going to make us stronger. So I don't yeah. understand why people are fighting about iron it. Iron sharpens really iron, and there's yeah. a primary process for a reason. Don't take it personal is all. Is all That's all I'm saying. I agree. No, I okay. totally agree. Before we have to go, I know we have to go. Is there a criticism of Trump that you do like? Uh, I, sure. I would have to think about it, but it does exist. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, right. you know, it's, for what it's worth, for when he was, like, during 2020, I was on Twitter nonstop calling him like a retarded Cheeto, like, every day. And people were like, <laughs> you're turning your back on Trump. I was holding him accountable, but now I just, like, Good. in my opinion, believe that he needs to, you know, be the guy. So. And, and gosh, if he is, I, I, will, I will eat up every minute of it that he spends arguing with the, the left and uh, the mainstream media. <laughs> All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back. Some of the things I've missed so much. I know. He was on every As if the younger generation needed an excuse to be lazier, uh, there's a new trend on TikTok called Bare Minimum Mondays. Uh, it encourages employees to exert as little effort as possible on the first day back to your work week. Here is one of those videos. Watch. After a long holiday weekend, you might be tempted to go really hard for the first couple days back to work, but here's why I do the complete opposite. Despite my efforts lazy. to remove myself from the hustle culture narrative, I still remember the pressure to make up for the work I missed after a long weekend. I used to assign myself an insurmountable to-do list on Monday morning just to feel like I'm doing people. enough. You I just had a four-day weekend. You should be ready to hit the ground running on every project. Yes. I used to tell myself, even though Correct. my weekend was anything but restful. But now, Bare Minimum Monday is my new normal. 
I only do what absolutely needs to be done for work and the rest of the day is totally for me. Like chores, resting, working on creative projects, moving my body, or honestly, whatever feels good. So the next time you're tempted to put a ton of pressure on yourself, maybe try doing the bare minimum instead. <laughs> oh my God. I hope she gets fired. Can I, I hope she gets fired. This is so, you already have a weekend to recharge and lay around and do whatever the hell you want. It's not Monday. That's for working, lazy. God. That literally looks like a scene out of like, it was cut from idiocracy or something like that. Like society was like this and then it suddenly devolved to this. I think that, I don't know what, I mean, you're Gen X, right? Are you also Gen X? No. What are you? I'm a millennial. You're a millennial. Mm -hmm. Excuse okay. me, don't act. Don't well, act so surprised. Well, well that's, that's a compliment. It's arguably worse than what I said earlier. I know. <laughs> well, no, that's a compliment because like, you, don't, you don't act like the majority millennial, of yeah. millennials. Like, right. You act more like, like the Gen X generation was just a whole lot different. Yeah. I guess because yeah. we were just so close to you know, Nirvana, man. Well, I, I, mean, well, I, I had was, good parenting. Is, yeah, I mean, and th things are just a lot more hardcore. Like Back then, it wasn't a question of, like, do you spank your kid? Well, of course. Nowadays, it'll be like, oh, you spank your kid? I mean, I got spanked multiple times in school. Like, that still happened really? back then. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I, I blew up a power outlet in the wall, so I guess I, I, I deserved it. That's hard, You did hard. deserve it. <laughs> but, but still, like, that wasn't questioned, and parents just signed off on it. They're like, yeah, sure, you know, beat the crap out of him if he screws up. <laughs> It's just a different mentality. It's yeah, I don't know how to change it. I, I don't either, but it's really scary. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, it is objectively true that the young generation is like the worst generation probably to ever walk the face of the earth. I mean, they're all like overweight and none of them are cool. They're all like, <laughs> no, seriously, like people nowadays in my generation don't have like eccentricities or hobbies, especially the young men. And honestly, I think a lot of that is because what young men used to do that was cool was because we wanted to like get attention from women. And now like the young men are either gay or they're addicted to pornography and they just are antisocial. So like that has no resonance with them. Um, like starting rock bands, for example, that was done to get attention from women. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, well, we're just gonna like become SoundCloud rappers or something. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> Um, but on the other hand, it's not necessarily our fault, I don't think. I mean, we were growing up in a country that doesn't value meritocracy or excellence anymore. So you're like, I, I'm point. not even literate. I can't even speak. <laughs> and I'm not held to that standard. Then it's like, well, why work hard if it's not going to be rewarded? Or, you know, uh, buying a, a house, finding a moral spouse, you know, uh, achieving the standard of living that your grandparents would have thought was their birthright is now so unobtainable to the average person. It's like, yeah, why not just like, Take it easy. Why not just like play on my phone all day? Who cares? They probably don't even value the job that they're even pursuing in the first place. So the whole society has become very backwards and, and uh, mismanaged. So it's not surprising that these people are this way. However, they are very like just bad or terrible people. There's also there's no real drive to be independent. I'm, I'm seeing yeah. this e even with my own kids like now because there's all and their friends are all the same. Like they've went, they'll they I think. I won't say which child, but one of my children said, when I'm 22 years old, will this still be a rule in the house? Ha <laughs> ha You like, ain't in my house at 22. I know, I was like. Your ass is kicked out this, at 18. This is your plan? Like, that's what you <laughs> uh -uh. expect? They don't even want to get not. driver's licenses anymore. No, they don't. They don't no. try to do that. Huh. Not in my house. All right, we got to take a, a break. We'll be back. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, you know what? I believe Congresswoman Cori Bush has uh, apparently shelled out six figures since 2020 for a security guard, uh, an anti-Semitic spiritual guru who apparently believes he is 109 trillion years old and can summon tornadoes. Watch. So I stick to the mystical side of everything. You know that walk on water? 
that deal, that healing man, I don't know how to walk on water yet, but that is the science. It's called the science of levitation. Yeah. Okay. It's a simple science too. But I was put on this planet to break the spell. One of the people put on this planet to break the spell. Not more, I'm not peaceful hard. at all. You mess with me, I'm messing with you. I'm doing you 10 times worse than what you did me. I might go get me a goat or something, go get me a ram or something, put some blood on the altar, and your whole family up. You can care less. Why am I not surprised at all that that's Cory Bush's security guard? Clearly someone that should be protecting a congressperson. I don't care on what side. But yes, this he guy. Has, he, has, he has weapons, Jason. Good gosh, yes, man. Yes, Yeah, apparently they don't make security guards like they used to. Uh, either and that used to be my profession <laughs> that's nuts like in in any typical like company where you would like be contracted out to high profile people like a congressperson or something like that there's no way this guy even passes a background check yeah so i don't know where she got this guy from um john 109 trillion years old he looks pretty good i yeah, think it's true like that'd be the, my go-to for a security guard doesn't he have to touch him get a license just like call the tornado and they go away <laughs> <laughs> Forget the baton, bring yeah. in the storm. Oh my God, all right, thanks you guys for being here. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.